Welcome to Wealth Matters, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. This show is presented to you by Gas Lewis Frankel, a law firm dedicated to resolving disputes involving your wealth, whether through your will, your trust, your business, or your investments. For news, pictures, and tips, go to our website at gaslowitzfrankel.com or follow us on Twitter at Estate Dispute. Our show's hashtag is Wealth Matters. Your hosts are Robert Port and Millie Baumbush, and today we are talking about state income tax issues for residents relocating to states without income tax. And now it's time to introduce our guests. We are pleased to have with us today Richard Litwin, an attorney with the Litwin Law Firm, and Brian Enlow, CPA and tax manager at Warren Averett. I'd like to start by asking you both to just give us a brief overview of yourself and your businesses. Richard, let's start with you. Uh, yes, uh, I'm graduated from the University of South Carolina with a BS in economics, went to Emory Law School here in Atlanta. After graduating law school, I spent some time in public accounting. Then I was able to get a job at the Georgia Attorney General's office where I started in the criminal section, but they quickly moved me to tax because of my tax background. And I spent five years in the tax section. After that, I went into private practice with a commercial litigation firm here in Atlanta, and then went on my own. And my practice is devoted exclusively to multi-state tax issues, including sales tax, corporate income tax, and of course, residency for income tax purposes. Perfect for our topic today. <laughs> and what about you, Brian? Sure. Uh, I went to uh, undergrad at Presbyterian College and got a master's of accounting, accounting at uh, University of Georgia. Uh, I've been in practice for around 15 years uh, at um, last two and a half with Warren Averett. Work a lot with uh, um, multi-state businesses and their owners, as well as some high net worth individuals and some professional athletes that have multi-state issues as well. Terrific. Now, our topic today, as we said, is uh, state income tax issues for residents relocating to states without income tax. So uh, as, my, as my kids might say, why is this a thing? Why is this a hot topic? Let me start with you, Brian. Sure. Well, I think you know the biggest thing is that the states are getting pretty aggressive uh, in their enforcement of different residency issues and, and nexus issues. And so, you know, especially you know when people move to a different state with no income tax, obviously for that there's a reason in, involved. And so, the state that they're moving from, they might have something to say about it. And so, uh, you know, we have to do our due diligence. We have to go through you know all the different things that they're going to look for to try to bring you back into that state to, to tax you there. And, and my understanding, Richard, is that this is particularly uh, perhaps important for Georgia residents because we have at least two states uh, next to ours that are, uh, have no income tax, which was those be? That's uh, Tennessee and Florida. This actually started, uh, it became a big issue almost about 20 years ago when a lot of the airline pilots would claim to be residents or taxable residents, legal residents of Florida when they really worked here in Atlanta. Um, also, it's particularly important in Georgia because Georgia is armed with uh, some pretty sophisticated data mining software that allows the Department of Revenue to, to catch these folks much more easily than they were able to you know, prior to 2011. And is this, a, is this a high priority for the Georgia Department of Revenue to catch people who are, have moved to other states? I would say it, catching anybody who isn't paying taxes is a high priority. It's especially important because, you know, so many people try to do it and don't think that they're 
blatantly violating Georgia law. I, I tell the story often of folks that I meet at parties or, you know, just socially. And I say, well, where are you from? And the, I'll get an answer. Well, I'm a legal resident of Florida, but I live in Sandy Springs. You know, people just don't see it as a big issue. And so a lot of people try to do it. Well, that, that's actually a, a segue to, to where I wanted to go next, which was there, there are a couple of terms that both of you may use, and you've already used uh, a couple of these, uh, Brian. One is residency. You mm-hmm. also use the term nexus. And then, although we hadn't mentioned it, there's a word uh, might, some folks might think of sort of legal technical world called domicile. So if you could, and both of you, talk about, uh, first you, Brian, about what, what is the taxable residency? What does that mean in, in your world? Sure. Well, and I think you know, as, we, as we get into this, that's, it's a bit of a subjective term because the law would say, you know, do you, do you reside there for 183 days and is there intent to remain there? But that's not necessarily the only deciding factor. So essentially residency, you know, for tax purposes, a lot of times they're going to, the states are going to look at tax residency as, well, where are you really earning your income? Where, you know, where's that income being earned? Where are you generating, generating that income? And Richard, how about the word domicile? What does that mean in this context? Well, it's, inter- it's interesting because as Brian um, was kind of alluding to, uh, people can have more than one residence, but you can only have one domicile. And that's the basis upon which states can impose income tax, is if you're a domicile of that state. Domicile means you're, by law, physically present in the state, such as Georgia, with a corresponding intent to remain in the state indefinitely. If you meet those two criteria, then you're a legal resident or domicile. Those are interchangeable terms of the state. And we'll just use Georgia as an example. You're a domicile of the state of Georgia. And therefore, 100% of your income is subject to Georgia income tax. And would that be true if, if you meet that criteria? Would that be true no matter where your income's coming from? Correct. So you could have income coming from a partnership in Wisconsin or maybe rental property in South Carolina but because you're, you're a legal resident of Georgia, 100% of that income is subject to tax in Georgia. Now, you would get a credit to the extent that you had to pay income tax in South Carolina or Wisconsin. You get a credit in Georgia, which I won't go into, uh, but still 100% of your income is subject to tax in Georgia as a legal resident. And when, when you... Uh, define being a legal resident as you are physically present here, uh, but yet you can have, I'm sorry, your domicile is you're physically present here, but you can have other residences. How, how long can you be out of the state in your, in your Florida vacation home um, before you trigger some kind of problem? The, the problem isn't so much that you're going to your vacation home necessarily, uh, because you're, as long as you're always paying income tax in Georgia, the problem arises is when you turn that vacation home in Florida into your, what you think is your legal residence, such as my social encounter with a person who said, I'm a legal resident of Florida or a taxable resident of Florida. Uh, uh, what happens is that folks with homes in Florida and Seaside or, you know, any of the, the, the beaches in the panhandle, they'll say, well, I'll just make this my legal residence for tax purposes. And all of a sudden, they just stop filing income tax returns with Georgia or whatever state they live in. And that's when it becomes a problem. And what, what about the timing? Is there a rule? I've, I've heard about the 183-day rule. 
Does that mean you, you have to live some, you know, in your domicile for 183 days? What well, is- that's a great question. As Brian was pointing out, there's this 183-day rule. In Georgia, you are subject to income tax on 100% of your income, even if you're not a legal resident of Georgia. And one of the other criteria is if you are in Georgia for 183 days. So you can be a legal resident of Florida where there is no income tax. But if you come to Georgia for enough times during the year and you reach that 183 day threshold, all of your income is subject to tax in Georgia. So what happens, getting back to your question, is that folks sort of latch on to the 183 day rule and they say, okay, I've been a legal resident of Georgia. I'll just move to Florida. I'll continue to travel back and forth to Georgia for my work, for whatever, to visit my family. And I'll just make sure that I don't come in for 183 days. I'll come in for 150 days. And then because I'm out of the state for most of the year, I'm home free. What they're trying to do is they're trying to, they're trying to argue that they have changed their legal residence when they really haven't. And Brian, um, Richard has referred, has, has referenced folks who buy, you know, a mm-hmm. Florida. Sure vacation home and then say, you know, Shazam, I'm going to claim I'm a uh, Florida resident and I'm going to avoid paying income taxes. What other types of scenarios have you seen where folks, uh, you know, lay people may say, well, this will give me a a foothold in claiming that I'm uh, no longer a Georgia resident and don't have to pay Georgia's taxes? Sure. Well, I think, you know, first of all, you know, we're talking about this as a a general rule, you know, if, if they say I, you know, I'm a resident of Florida and they use air quotes, that's probably, <laughs> probably not the best, probably not the best uh, defense, you know. In, in, in the law, we might call that creating a presumption yeah. that that may not be true. Yeah, we had lunch, you know, we kind of talked about it. And I think the key thing is you actually have to move. <laughs> and so, you know, I think, you know, some of the things that I've seen where, you know, that could, could potentially have a problem is, you know, you have the 8,000 square foot house in Sandy Springs, and then you have the 1,500 square foot condo in Naples. Does that really sound like you've moved your personal residence to Florida if you still maintain a huge house here that you only visit, you know, at odd times, you know, you know, see your grandkids or whatever? That's not necessarily a very compelling thing. You know, we talked about the homestead exemption. Um, that's probably the first thing that they'll latch on to if you haven't moved your homestead exemption out of Georgia. Meaning if you continue to claim your homestead exemption sure, here. Sure, sure, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, so I, th- I think, again, you know, I think people, you know, when they move, they think they go through the motions and that's enough as if it's just, oh, I get a driver's license here and, you know, I have a house and, you know, I'm here for 183 days. But I think it, it really, you have a lot of other conduct involved that might give that away. Um, you know, luckily, I think now we have a lot more technology to back it up. Uh, you know, credit card statements are a great way to say, you know, look, here's, here's where I am. Here's where I'm spending my money. Here's where I'm buying groceries. Well, and, and on the technology point, Richard referred earlier to uh, data mining by by the state authorities. Talk a little bit about that, because I, I've heard you present on this, and I was uh, sort of astounded at the ways that people can inadvertently uh, reveal what their perhaps uh, actual intent is. Well, yeah, and, let, and let's just assume this is somebody who is really trying to move to Florida and not trying to, you know, get around the system, so to speak. What used to happen is that the Department of Revenue would maybe get a tip, and this would happen in the airline industry, is pilots were basically ratting out one another, saying, oh, he 
claims to be a resident of Florida because he has a condo in Cape Sandblast, but he, he really lives in Gwinnett County. And so all the pilots were getting caught. And, and that's basically how the Department of Revenue acted, or, or that's the information on which they acted in the old days. Then in 2011, I think it was, the Georgia General Assembly um, appropriated about $11 million to the department specifically to buy the, and implement this data mining software. It took them a couple of years to get up and running, but now it's, it's humming. And what the Department of Revenue now can do to find folks is they can tell the computer, you know, show me everybody who has filed an income tax return with the state of Georgia for 10 years, but did not file one this year. Okay. And so they find that they put that group in, in, in sort of off to the side. And then they say, of this group of folks that are no longer filing an income tax return with the Georgia Department of Revenue, show me all those people who are getting other reporting notices, tax reporting notices, such as mortgage interest statements, 1099s, and getting them to an address in Georgia. And that's sometimes where folks slip up is because they're still continuing to get their interest statements, their mortgage statements to an address in Georgia. And they're I haven't changed that. And then that's when the Department of Revenue may knock on the taxpayer's door and say, you know, I'm not so sure that you're still, you know, that you've actually taken all the steps to change your domicile to Florida. Do you know how, how many people um, in Georgia get tripped up by this every year? Does the Department I, of Revenue, you know, the, release that information? They, they don't release that information. What I will tell you, Millie, is that the Department of Revenue's system is to go year by year. So I've had situations where a client has come in specifically about tax year 2008 because that's the only year the Department of Revenue has caught. And they get, the client gets concerned because they say, well, I've got this problem not just for 2008, but 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. And the Department of Revenue only works on it on a yearly basis. So, you know, a, two years ago, they were working on 2007 and 2008 returns. Now maybe there might be up to 2010. It just depends. Maybe a, a better way to, to focus on that question is how busy are each of you in this area? Has your business gone up because of stricter enforcement? Uh, yeah, you know, we were just talking. I got another notice, and I've, I do this do work for one partnership where it generates a lot of income, a lot of income in California. And like California, uh, I think they've sent every single one of the partners a notice asking them to send in their driver's license, their W-2s. You know other other things essentially to prove residency in in a state other than California, just because they saw a lot of income be, being apportioned to California and figured, eh, might as well give it a shot. <laughs> so it, is is it your sense that nationwide all of the states are focusing on this as you know mm -hmm. potentially capturing you know revenue that that has oh. been lost? Yes. Well, think, I mean, think about it. You know, we have you know California and Illinois both have huge budget problems. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, other states, are, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the other states are having the same problems, maybe not to that degree. So as a result, you're seeing them be really aggressive when it comes to trying to capture, capture a higher apportionment percentage or, you know, capture residency as well. And, and I see it, um, I, I see it in two contexts. Uh, I'll, I, I wrote an article last year that was published in a journal and I started getting phone calls from people, uh, CPAs saying, you know, we, I've got a client that's got the, and that has this problem. I see it in two contexts. First, I see it with somebody who wants to move to Florida and wants to make sure they do it the right way. 
And then I see it in the other context where somebody comes in sort of with their head down saying, I think I've screwed up. I thought I was doing it the right way. We need to get this fixed because you know, I don't want to get caught. And then of course you see it where somebody's already received an assessment notice and you have to deal with the assessment notice. We've talked about um, some of the documents and, and things that people should take care of, like the homestead exemption. Um, and Richard, you mentioned getting mortgage statements, mortgage interest statements, 1099s, that kind of thing. What are some of the other areas of life in which people need to make sure that they clean up their acts and, and do it properly? Otherwise, they're going to get tripped up. Something that, you know, a taxpayer just may not even think about. Well, you're kind of alluding, you know, when you're talking about the mortgage statements, having your mail sent to your Florida residence, period. You know, actually changing, you know, where, where you get your mail, I think, is, is probably one of, the, one of the hallmarks of where you live is where you get your mail, right? And, and, and in these days, too, in addition to your mail, um, if it's going to be Florida, and that's what we've talked about, folks moving to Florida, the big, the big act that you can take, action you can take, is to file a Florida Declaration of Domicile. Not a lot of people know about this. Do you want me to explain what it is? Uh, certainly. And if there are other states that have similar situations, their <laughs> filings, that would be helpful as well. Yeah. I'm not aware of any other state that has a Declaration of Domicile form. There may be some states that have it. And I'm, I, I know that Florida's Declaration of Domicile perhaps is used because of the concern that folks have who move there that their former state may come back and try to challenge the change of legal residence. But it's a form that you can just Google Florida Declaration of Domicile and you fill it out, uh, file it with the clerk of the circuit court in the county where you live in Florida. Uh, the form actually says that you know you reside and maintain a place of abode in the county where you're filing, whether that's Nassau, Santa Rosa County, it doesn't matter, and that you intend to maintain uh, that place as your permanent home and that you're a bona fide resident of Florida at the time you make the statement. The declaration of domicile isn't voided if you move to another county in Florida. It's not dispositive. But it's one of the big acts that you can actions you can take, and it's typically something that people don't know about uh, offhand unless they're practiced in this area. And presumably, you sign that under oath, yes. just as, just as you do a federal tax return. Yes. So let's focus on what you said before, Richard. Was someone comes to you and they want to do it right? If it's Florida, you presumably suggest this form. Why don't you walk through us, and I'll also ask you this, Brian, why don't you walk through us sort of your, your checklist, if you have one, of what you tell <clears throat> folks to do, what to watch out for, and things like I, that. I, I basically, Robert, have eight steps, eight, eight actions that I've sort of developed over the years. Uh, the first, of course, is following the Declaration of Domicile. The second is get a homestead exemption on your Florida home. Getting a homestead exemption on the Florida home is not something where you check a box. You actually have a real estate appraiser that comes out to your home and interviews you and makes sure that you really and truly live at that place in Florida and that is your legal residence or that's your domicile. Um, there was actually a case in 2016, a Florida case, where an Indiana couple had the Florida homestead exemption and they also had kept their Indiana homestead exemption and Florida uh, revoked the Florida homestead exemption. So 
you know, you've, you've got to actually live in Florida and you will be tested on it. Um, and, and the point of that also, if I understand it, is you, you need to take affirmative action to revoke or release or whatever the right word might be, your homestead exemption in your former state. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, the, third, the third act or action is to, is to actually pay Florida taxes. And the first response I get is, well, the whole reason I'm going to Florida is so I don't have to pay taxes. But they do have other taxes. Um, you can order things online from a company that doesn't charge the sales and use tax and file a Florida use tax return. You can pay, obviously, your ad valorem property tax. There are documentary stamp taxes in Florida. Uh, and then, of course, um, other things like you know, get your car registered in Florida, which is something most people know to do, is to get a driver's license in Florida, get their car registered in Florida. You know, everybody says, well, I'm registered to vote in Florida. That's something you should do. I actually had a case where somebody not only registered to vote in Florida uh, and actually voted, but also then ran for the school board just to prove that he, he lived in Florida. <laughs> Banking and investments. Now, I tell people, <clears throat> you know, open an account at a local bank. You know, the Metro Bank of Dade County, not not just nation, you know, Bank of America. Would, would if, if they want to keep their Bank of America account, would it be appropriate to simply change the, if you will, the, the local office, the office that supposedly is in charge of that account? Uh, you can certainly do that. Of course, you know, I, I see these huge banks, the mega banks, SunTrust, Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo as having locations everywhere and the states take that position too, is that they're, you know, if you open an account in California, Georgia will say that account is just as much, might as well be in Peachtree Center as well. So that's why I tend to tell folks, advise folks, if you're, you're going to open a bank account, open it at a local credit union or at a local bank. That's, that's the better way of doing things. Um, and, and this is just how to do it right. Uh, also, you know, legal, and it's tax and estate planning. You know, get all your legal names or your legal addresses changed on your passport, social security. You know, get it all changed to Florida. You're going to have to get a Florida will and any other estate planning documents that show Florida as your as your legal residence. Uh, and then, of course, there's social and personal things that you need to do that Brian might want to chime in on. <laughs> yeah. mm, sure. Well, and I think you know, we were talking about banking. You know, the good thing is on your bank, you know, every time you take money out of an ATM, every time you use your yeah. debit card, good it's point. on the statement. And so when you start talking about, you know, gathering up the necessary evidence, if, if you were to get audited and this were to be challenged, it, it, it makes it pretty easy just to say, look, I'm here. <laughs> this is where I'm spending my money. This is where I'm, I'm living. I'm going out to dinner. And, and so... Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, especially is, you know, just actually taking the steps to actually move and live somewhere and, and not just go through, you know, go through the, the legal steps, but actually, you know, show the things that you've actually done it. You're listening to Wealth Matters, the radio show where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. We are your hosts, Robert Port and Millie Bombush from the fiduciary litigation law firm of Gaslowitz Frankel. Our topic is state income tax issues for residents relocating to states without income tax. And our guests are Richard Litwin from the Litwin Law Firm and Brian Enlow, the CPA and tax partner at Warren Averett. Um, Brian, you were just talking about uh, it's important to live your life in the new state that you're 
you've mm-hmm. moved to, you know, and you mentioned showing ATM slips that you take cash out and presumably spend it in that state. What about other, I mean, get doctors in your new state, you sure, know, get involved sure. in civic organizations? It, How important are all of those kinds of things? I, I think I think it adds to your overall argument. Again, if this were to be challenged, it's going to be one of those things that's going to add to that. Um, I had a client that lived in northern Kentucky and was saying, all right, I'm going to move to Florida now. And we're sitting there, okay, but you have a single location business in northern Kentucky. You're the CEO, you're the owner, you own 100%. How's that going to work? He's like, well, I'm, he's like, you know, I can manage this thing from anywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you're going to still go up there for meetings? Oh, yeah, regularly. I'm like, okay. It's like, but, you know, we live close enough to a couple different states. We'll have some meetings in Indiana and some in, some in Ohio. Thinking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually ended up really spending, I think, just about 90% of his time in Florida. And he had all the information to back that up, that he was managing that company from Florida. And so there's compelling evidence that, that maybe he, he was just doing that as a tax play. But when he lives there, and again, you know, he's, he's, he's bought a condo. His, uh, he, had a, he had a plane. His plane is, is there, and he can show where it was, his plane was being serviced. Uh, you know, the FAA requires flight logs. So he could he could show that you know hey wherever I fly it's always going back to the home airport here in Florida. Again, those are those are some other things that help you know give you you know allow you to kind of fill out the the, the binder that you're going to give to these people of, of all your proof that you actually live there. So this is what we attorneys would call circumstantial evidence, but the more of sure. it, the better off you are. Yeah. How about local ties that are either more difficult to get out of or people may not want to? I'm thinking country club uh, <laughs> memberships, uh, season tickets, you know, to, uh, you know, the, uh, the Hawks, the Falcons, whatever that they've waited on and they've now got the seats they want or they've paid whatever you need to pay to get into the new stadium. How do you, how do you deal with things like that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I typically get a lot of pushback from folks when I have to tell them that they need to withdraw from their country club. And I, I always you know, laugh and I say, well, if you're moving to Florida, what do you care? Just move to another country club. Um, but some people have a problem with it. I had one case, I told Millie outside before we started the show, I had one case, and it's actually happened a couple of times, but one case in particular where I had somebody who did everything they were supposed to do, came to see me, called me all the time to make sure they were doing everything they were supposed to do to break all ties with Georgia. Because, you know, if you're going to indeed move to Florida and change your legal residence to Florida, you've got to, you have to overcome the presumption of continuing legal residence. And if you're going to overcome that presumption, you, by gosh, better move and make sure you've done everything you you have to do. And, And in this particular case, we thought we had done everything. And I was at the Braves game during the years, the Braves were doing great. And so I was focused on the game and I had a tap on my shoulder and I turned around. I couldn't remember where I knew this fellow from. And it was, you know, my client. And I said, well, what are you doing here? And he said, I have season tickets. And I said, what do you mean you have season tickets? You come to all the games? Comes, I come to most of them. I said, uh, you know, so I pulled them aside and I, we went out underneath the breezeway and I said, look, you've got to get rid of these season tickets. And he said, I cannot get rid of the season tickets. And I said, but this will become a problem for us if the Depart- Department of Revenue comes back and challenges that you have changed your legal residence. So I, I deal with that a lot with those kinds of issues. Are there situations where a married couple might be able to, you know, one spouse lives in Georgia, one spouse lives in Florida. How will that work out? 
Not well. Is there any way they can make un- that un- work? Unless they can prove that they really don't like each other, uh, I think I think they might have an issue. Just because, again, it's, it's if, if you're filing a joint return, and you know you are a family unit, again, still gets along and still likes each other, it's it's kind of hard to 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 be able to explain to 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 one of these revenue agents why you would choose to live in different states. Yeah, and I, I actually had a friend who wanted, who was going to take a job in Tampa. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to just move into an apartment, get a driver's license, register to vote. And I'm going to change my legal residence to, to Florida. I said, how are you going to file your income tax return? He said, well, I haven't gotten there yet. Now, I mean, arguably, as Brian will tell you, mm-hmm. you can file separate returns in Georgia. Um, so a wife and a husband can file married filing separately um, and each file their own state income tax return. And if the wife has no income, she just reports no income. If the husband has all the income, technically speaking, arguably he could file, not file a Georgia income tax return. The fact, however, that one spouse stays in behind in Georgia and doesn't want to move to Florida creates a problem. Now I will tell you, it's not like that in Alabama. There is a, a, a wealth of cases in Alabama that hold that you can move back and forth from, to and from Tennessee, from Alabama, leave your wife in Alabama and your kids in Alabama, and you will be considered a, a non-resident of Alabama for tax purposes. But we haven't developed the case law here in Georgia on that issue quite yet. What about, um, it, it, you know, that would be a case maybe where the husband, as you said, with the income is transferred to Florida. What about a case where um, someone is on a temporary work assignment either in another state or, you know, in another country, um, they're still, unless they go through all of these steps to establish residency someplace else, they're still going to get taxed in Co- Georgia. Correct. And, and, and it's, a, a, it's a misplaced reliance to think, well, if I'm not in Georgia, that means I don't have to pay income tax in Georgia. In other words, if I'm on a temporary assignment, maybe in another state for eight or nine months, that means I don't have to pay income tax in Georgia. And if it happens to be Florida that, that you're assigned to, you say, well, I don't have to pay income tax anywhere uh, to a state. The problem is, is that if you're a legal resident of Georgia, a temporary assignment does not help in terms of trying to change your legal residence or domicile to the other state. If you're temporarily absent from Georgia, you're still a Georgia resident, legal resident for tax purposes. Well, I think another thing too is the fact that, you know, we were talking about, you know, married couple filing separately. Well, except for rare cases, usually, you know, the filing as married filing separately means that you're going to be paying more federal tax, in which case any savings that you would have gotten at the state level is probably going to be eroded by the increase in tax at the federal level. So it's probably one of those things that in the end, unless it's a rare case, probably not something that's even really going to be worth it to do in the first place. If, if you run the math on it. Exactly. So, so I'm suspecting you also see scenarios where folks want to keep their former home in, in mm-hmm. Georgia and either leave it empty or rent it out or Airbnb or something like that. How do you approach that? What advice do you give folks who don't want to, you know, perhaps they're not sure that their move to Florida is going to stick and they, you know, don't want to give up their, their home just yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things I said earlier was if, if you have, you know, a 1200 square foot condo in Florida and you have an 8,000 square foot house in Sandy Springs, it, it sure doesn't look like you moved <laughs> because 
obviously the, the thought is why would you keep this big house vacant and then live and then choose to live in something that's a fraction of the size of your original house? It just doesn't make much sense. Um, obviously renting that property out uh, gives credence to, to the idea that you moved. Does, does it create any Georgia income tax issues getting that rental income from that Georgia property? You're going to have Georgia income. Georgia income be, you know, from the rental. Now, how much rental income that, that thing's thrown off is going to depend on the expenses associated with it, um, you know, and the original cost and interest expense and everything else. All right. So merely the fact that they're in Florida and getting income does not shield that income from no, Georgia. No, it, it, essentially that's earned in Georgia. And, and I would just add to what Brian just said. That was a very good point. You know, when Brian said, you know, you've got a 1,500 square foot condo in Florida and you've got an 8,000 square foot home in Georgia, it doesn't look good. Uh, what I tend to tell folks, and I get a lot of pushback on this too, because uh, they say, folks say, well, why can't I have a vacation home in Georgia that I come and visit and use when I'm here? A lot of people have vacation homes in Florida. Why can't I have a vacation home in Georgia? And my response is, okay, have a vacation home in Georgia, but does your vacation home have to be 8,000 square feet? You know, make it smaller and don't make it the house that you used to live in, in Georgia. Make it, you know, get a condo maybe in Buckhead and make it look like a vacation condo. Uh, although I still say, and this is just, the, you know, being completely prophylactic on my part, I still tell folks, I really don't want you coming back to Georgia, but if you're going to come back, stay in a hotel. Are there, uh, you mentioned that the two states close to us are, you know, Florida, of course, and Tennessee. Are there differences um, that would make one more attractive if you're looking for a state without income tax? Is, Ten- it, is it easier to move to Tennessee? Is it easier to move to Florida? Well, you know, which one, one is... One has beaches and one oh, right. doesn't. Yes. <laughs> Besides that. <laughs> well, you have Gatlinburg. I mean, that's pretty oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. Actually, Tennessee does have a little bit of an income tax on investment income. So mm-hmm. if you're going to look at purely from a tax standpoint, Tennessee is less attractive than Florida. Uh, nevertheless, you know, just drive around Metro Atlanta and start observing how many Tennessee plates you see and how many Florida plates you see. And then start looking at Florida plates and Tennessee plates that are surrounded by a frame that say Nally of Atlanta or Audi of Roswell. Mm. You can start picking up on what folks are thinking that they're doing right. And what they're actually doing wrong. Correct. <laughs> so, so tell us about issues that may arise if someone's family, uh, you know, remains in Georgia. And I'm not talking necessarily about the spouse we talked about, but children, uh, aunts, uncles, parents. What issues arise in that in this context? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Sure, sure. What what kind of issues arise when folks spend a lot of time with family that's still in Georgia? Yeah, uh, that's definitely a challenge, essentially, because if you're talking about people that are retiring or close to retirement age and they have grandkids, it's it's only natural that they're going to come back. Uh, Again, it's I think you're going to look at the frequency. Um, Is this where that 180 day rule might come into play? uh, Potentially. Potentially, and and that's uh, yeah, and that, and that's where things can get a, a little bit complicated. I think you have to probably think about all right, where are you staying when you come up here? Are you staying with family, or are you staying in your own house, or are you staying in a hotel? Uh, I think those things can can help sway things in your favor, depending on depending on what you're doing. What what I try to tell folks, uh, in, just in, sort of as a dovetail off of what Brian just said, is I try to tell folks, you know, don't have your family affairs in Georgia. 
if you're going to move to Florida, that's a much better vista, much better venue to have family events. And I think folks would much rather come to Florida for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas than to stay in Atlanta uh, or anywhere in Georgia. So have all your family events in Florida. And that tends to show that you've made Florida your place, your, you know, your central location you know, for domicile purposes. So as we're getting close to the end of our show, uh, we'd like to ask uh, each of you to provide our listeners contact information, your website, social media, anything like that, uh, Twitter hashtag, uh, for listeners who might want to know more about uh, you and, and the firms you work for. Let's start with you first, Brian. Sure. Uh, the website for my firm is uh, Warren Averett, W-A-R-R-E-N-A-V-E-R-E-T-T.com. And my email address is brian.enlow at warrenaverett.com. And I would give social media, but unfortunately, all I have on Facebook is pictures of my kids. <laughs> as, as it should be. <laughs> and and um, my law firm website is litwinlaw.net. If you just Google the Litwin Law Firm, it should be the one of the first entries. Uh, it's litwinlaw.net. My email address is rlitwin at litwinlaw.net. And that's how people can contact me. But there is a contact uh, form on my website as well. Well, thank you both for coming on. Um, and I think we have learned that we need to uh, check with an expert, such as both of you, before we decide to move <laughs> to a state with no income tax. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to Wealth Matters, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. For more information about Gaslowitz Frankel, please go to our website at gaslowitzfrankel.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at a state dispute and use our show's hashtag Wealth Matters. Our guests today were Richard Litwin of the Litwin Law Firm and Brian Enlow, a CPA and tax manager at Warren Averett. Please join us every fourth Wednesday of the month at 8.30 a.m. here at Wealth Matters on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.